This is a news update from the University of Portsmouth. My name's Glenn Harris, and today I'm speaking to Dr. Ian Hendy, a marine biologist who's doing some fascinating marine conservation work along the south coast of England. What it will do is create a safe haven for them to live in where they can breed and spawn and actually have increased generations of these species. Hi Ian, you've been doing some really exciting work recently on one of our most kind of native elusive marine creatures, haven't you? Absolutely. I've been working on a project called the Solent Biohuts that's been born from doctors Joanne Preston and Luke Helmer. So Joanne runs the Solent Oyster Restoration Project and we have Dr. Luke Helmer, who actually works for the Blue Marine Foundation, who they collaborate with. And we all collaborate with them. So it's a fantastic project in the Solent. And what they did was create these huts to enclose oysters to generate larvae in the Solent, to repopulate the Solent. And what they found was that it started increasing or creating habitat for an extreme amount of biodiversity in the Solent for vulnerable and juvenile species. And we're talking seahorses and we're talking European eels. So this was fantastic. And so Natural England, so a natural governmental body organization, they contacted us and said, would you want to run with this and develop this project, not only in Langston Harbour, Portsmouth Harbour, but going over to Southampton Water, then across to the Isle of Wight and also to Dorset as well. So creating these bio huts, what we call bio huts. So essentially what we've done is create extra habitat within these cages. So things like tubes, so the eels can infiltrate the tubes, artificial seagrass, because the seahorses will wrap their tail around the seagrasses to replicate that habitat and also structures for egg laying sites for species like cuttlefish, for example. And so what they do is promote biodiversity for a wide array of different animals. So feeding the community structure within the Solent coastal area. We have what we call natural uh, uh, essential fish habitats. Okay, So things like salt marsh and seagrass habitat, where these are spawning grounds for these juvenile species. Now, in areas, in urbanized areas of coastal development, it's very hard to restore those ecosystems because of marinas and boat berths and those sorts of things. So what we're doing is doing the next best thing rather than restoring we're putting in these artificial structures, these bio huts, to generate or replicate this nursery function. And what do these huts look like? Can you kind of give us a description of what they are? These huts are about three feet long, rectangle in shape, and they're suspended under floating pontoons. They're made of wire mesh, and this wire mesh is about two inches in diameter so we can get organisms swimming into these structures but obviously if you're a bigger fish uh, such as a predatory bass or a mullet you can't get into these cages these cages or these wire mesh cages inside them will house these different other structures that we have so we'll have small tubes we will have oyster shells to replicate small biogenic reefs much like a coral reef. So what we do is, is cluster them together and glue the oyster shells together to create these complex structures that create these small little holes. So these juvenile species of invertebrates, such as shrimp and, and, and polychaete worms, for example, and baby fish, 
can live within the small nooks and crannies. Fantastic. And uh, as you say, there's a huge variety of marine wildlife and biodiversity which you use and will benefit from these biohuts. What are some of the kind of species that you're expecting to see and to help thrive with these uh, structures? What we want to see is, so European eels, for example, are endangered. And what Joanne Preston found and Luke Helmer found in their oyster cages were exactly these vulnerable and rare species. And of course, where we're lacking areas of seagrass habitats, we're seeing a reduction in the rare species of these seahorses that we commonly used to find in and around these important nursery habitats. And so what we want to do, working in conjunction with the Seahorse Trust, is to develop these cages in these harbours, in these marinas, to actually bring back these rare and, and precious species. A lot of people kind of live in, in and around us and probably don't know there is this abundance of wonderful marine life on their doorstep. Absolutely. This is a very special environment. And the, our coastal areas, particularly in the Solent, it has lots of what we call very important nursery areas. So estuarine environments, salt marsh habitats, which become a spawning ground and juvenile feeding area for commercially important fish species. And of course, they're very important nesting sites for wading birds and seabirds. So a whole variety of biodiversity will live in those areas. So it's very important. And you mentioned there's some of the work around kind of seagrasses and kelp. And that's work which you've been doing for a long time now, isn't it? You've got some really interesting work going on there along further along the South Coast. I think it's into Sussex you're doing some work. For the last two years now, I've been lucky enough to be appointed as science lead for the UK's largest kelp restoration project. Now, this has been in conjunction with a brilliant team or consortia of, of organisations ranging from the Sussex Wildlife Trust, Marine Conservation Society, the Blue Marine Foundation, the Sussex IFCA, which is the Inshore Fishing Conservation Association, and many universities. So University of Brighton, University of Sussex, Zoological Society of London. There's many, there's many organisations involved with this. And what we're trying to do is restore an area of kelp along Sussex which spans Chichester all the way past Brighton. So this is an area of 304 square kilometres. What we've done in the first two years is work with policy and government to actually cordon off the area as fully protected. No destructive activity occurring within that 304 square kilometre area, which means we're stopping trawling. What we want is actual fact low impact and sustainable fishing to occur only. So if you think about dragging a net over the seabed, it's very similar to using a lawnmower over a, um, a lawn. So you're effectively mowing down the grass or you're effectively mowing down the kelp forest if you're trawling a net over it. What we want the fishermen to do is not trawl anymore. And now it's banned because the bylaw has been implemented, but the fishermen can fish with lobster pots and static nets. So they're not dragging their fishing gear. So the kelp are very important as a spawning site and a nursery site. So it'll actually increase the biodiversity. Right, that sounds a fantastic project. And you've got a very uh, high profile and influential supporter with that work, haven't you? You've actually met uh, one of the legends of uh, the environment and broadcasting world. Absolutely. So, yeah, so very exciting. So 
serendipitous, really, that we were working with the Help Our Kelp project, now called the Sussex Kelp Restoration Project. The early days when we were trying to rally interest in kelp and get the bylaw over the line so we could actually bring uh, the area into a protected area, we decided to make a documentary. And it's very short. You can find it on YouTube. It's about eight minutes long. And we decided to make this very emotive documentary. And Sir David Attenborough came on board and worked with us on this on this uh, documentary. And it was really that got the bylaw over the line and got the general public interested in why we need kelp. Oh, fantastic. It must have been a great experience working with the, the great man himself. What's next for a project? So you've got, it sounds like you've got a fantastic variety of work underway, working with lots of partners, both in the university and externally as well. So kind of what, what's the plan for the next kind of 12 months or so? The next steps are to actually increase the productivity of the biohut project. So we're actually building more biohuts and we're extending them around going further towards Dorset. And we got a lot of interest with the local governmental organisations such as Natural England and the Environment Agency. They want to look into this more in terms of looking at what we call, as I've said earlier, essential fish habitat. So we want to be looking at restoring those key ecosystems, spanning the Solent and extending to Dorset, in fact. So that's one project. The next project we're looking at is actually developing the science now for the Help Our Kelp project. So we have three PhDs planned in collaboration with ourselves here at the University of Portsmouth, but also with Zoological Society of London, the University of Brighton and the University of Sussex. So we're working in collaboration with those universities and with the Blue Marine Foundation, of course. And we've also got a very new, exciting project that we're discussing with with funders at the minute. So the funding's not over the line yet. We're working with governmental bodies and local organisations on the Isle of Wight with their local biosphere, which spans in actual fact terrestrial ecosystems and the marine environment to look at these key ecosystems, which are the salt marsh, the seagrass habitats and the kelp forests around the Isle of Wight and also a thresher shark nursery over there. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts or learn about research taking place at the University of Portsmouth, find out more on our website, port.ac.uk forward slash news.